35-20, Browns win this weekend over the Bengals. I'm Gin and Tonic on Dogs by Nature. This is the long table. I'm without my compatriot or, or often guests fourth tonight, but I wanted to get a little show in and talk about some of the stuff that's going on, mostly in the media, but also about what's going on with the Browns. We'll talk about the offensive play calling in the first half and the second half for the Bengals game where we saw some differences. We'll talk about the overall feel of the team right now, or I'll talk about, and I'll talk about Baker and what I, you know, what my thoughts are going forward with him and specifically where he is right now in the offense and where he is as the leader of the team. And we'll come back and discuss all that stuff and maybe a little bit more on the Dogs by Nature long table. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. So welcome back. I guess what we'll start talking about is is basically a little compare and contrast of some of the things that we saw or I saw in the um, you know the first half versus the second half in this Bengals game. And it's mostly offensively. Um, some of the defensive stuff we can talk about too. But realistically, I think we kind of played the same defense. We, we may have opened up the middle of the field a little bit in the second half because we kind of knew that, well, this is one of those things. Like, let's make them take some time off the clock to score or, or to pick up yards. Let's not give up big bunch plays, even though at times we did. Mostly it was to contain them and keep you know keep the the ball in the middle of the field, run the clock, make them take some time up to get points, which is basically prevent defense. But we kind of played that prevent offense too, and it's one of those things that I won't necessarily say is something that I'm I'm totally against because there is a time and a place for it. But at the same point, I kind of think we took the foot off the pedal way too early. I mean, it was the third quarter. Sure, we're up 28 points at one point, um, but at the same point, you can't just say, well, you know, this, there, none of these teams can come out and score. 35 in in, in th- you know three quarters because we scored 35 in three quarters. Now obviously they might have needed a turnover here or there and and maybe we decided to play it safe, but we could have put this game away a lot sooner had we picked up just a couple of first downs here or there. Put this game in a situation where we're running more than two or three minutes off the clock instead of you know going three and out with a run run pass punt. It's kind of something that we've you know I won't say that we are the only ones that do it, but it's it's we've never really we're not we haven't been in this situation where we've had leads like this before I guess. So maybe it's something that we're just not accustomed to. But I think one of the things that we have to start doing in a situation like this, if we're going to look at what made us successful in the first half, it was was running the ball to set up throwing the ball to the outside. I mean, it, Baker really spread the ball around very well in the first half, and he only made four throws after we put three or was it three or four either three or four throws after we put up that 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 fifth touchdown um to me it just doesn't really it doesn't really work you can't you can't get so far away from what was successful that you know you're almost playing scared now i'm not i'm not saying it's totally you know let's start running you know uh half back passes and stuff like that i'm not but 
you know, within the mold of the offense, let's do some things that that are successful. Let's keep them off balance. Let's pick up a couple of first downs because if if you have two or three drives where you you know you pick up two or three first downs, that that third quarter evaporates and they may only get one more possession. You know, so now instead of you know them having the opportunity to score two touchdowns, they only have the opportunity to score one kind of puts us in a better situation. I, I don't understand why we didn't do a little bit of play action on first down. You know, they're expecting the run at that point. You know, bring a safety up, freeze them, and then dump something over the middle. Make it second and eight. I mean, second and two, rather. Or or pick up a first down on first down. And then, and then you know, you get to run 35 seconds more off the clock, and they have to watch out for play action. So maybe you're a little bit more successful in the running game. It's... it's you know, we kind of had the, the game in a palm of our hand at that point, and I understand that that may have played, well, it certainly played a factor into the play calling, but it doesn't mean that you can get away from what's made you successful to that point. And I'm not criticizing the Browns. They went out and they played really well. They were a little flat in the second half, but at the same point, they put themselves in a situation to win the game by making a few plays in the second half. I just think that those plays could have been made earlier and, and this game could have been iced rather than, you know, I mean, realistically, there, as our good buddy Bernie Kosar has said, the Bengals were one illegal motion play away from being first and goal at the four-yard line, down 14 with four and a half minutes left. So if they score quick, they can punt the ball or they can kick the ball off with two timeouts and a two-minute warning and still get the ball back quick if we don't get a first down. Now, we found ourselves in that similar situation against the Raiders. You don't want to be in that situation often. You know, when you have a big lead, you let the team come back, and then and then you fail to pick up a first down. Well, we ended up making the plays that we needed to make this happen. But at the same same point, I guess, um, it's something that could have been avoided. You know, uh, a couple of first downs here or there in the third quarter and early in the fourth quarter. And this game, you know, it, it realistically, it was a laugher. I'm not going to say – but it did get a little – little antsy at one point. I mean, I guess had we not blown that Raiders lead earlier in the season, I don't think I would have been as nervous about this. And I kind of wasn't as nervous about it because, I mean, let's face it, the Bengals really didn't have much going for them. No A.J. Green. At that point, Andy Dalton was out of the game. Um, I didn't think Jake Driscoll was going to be there to light us up, but he made some good throws. So it's tough to – you can't criticize him either. Um, I will say this. Overall, the game planning in the first half was excellent. It's exactly what I want to see. It's a it, good combination of run and pass. We didn't run the ball super effectively, but at the same point, we ran it enough to keep the Bengals honest, open the field up down the field. And even though the Bengals aren't a good run defense and they played well against the run, it actually allowed us to throw the ball, I think, personally, uh, with more effective, you know, significantly more effectively than if we just totally ignored the run. I will say one thing that I kind of was disappointed that we didn't see is a little bit more that three-back set, that inverted wishbone that we were running. I think that would have been something really interesting, especially in the second half. You know, if you're just doing that and you're running the ball out of that formation, maybe, you know, you're picking up four or five yards on, on the first play and, and two or three on the second play. So now, you know, you're sitting at a, a comfortable third and three or third and two and, and um, you know, instead of them stacking the box and, and forcing us into you know third and long situations, which is what we were in most of the second half. Um, I'll say overall, uh, I can't I can't give 
Freddie enough credit for what he did in the first half. I think he called a really good game. I will say that, I, I mean, obviously Baker played phenomenal in the first half. Um, he made some really, really, really good throws. He missed maybe two or three throws he just missed that would have been, um, you know, that basically take this from like a, you know, like a B plus to an A game to an A plus game. Um, that throw to Higgins, he just missed in, in, in the third or fourth, was, it might have been fourth quarter. That would have been a nice first down on, on third and three. Um, so I like him taking a shot there. There was a, for the most part, I think, you know, there's not much you can't like about what Baker's done under center this year. Um, he's just been, he's been really, really good. He's had, uh, you know, for the most part, specifically the last three weeks, he's just been, uh, he's been excellent. Um, he hasn't taken hits. He hasn't been sacked in two games. Um, for the mo- you know, he, he, he runs when he needs to run, but he, he gets rid of the ball. Uh, he hits receivers in stride. He, he's finding open men and he's reading the field and getting rid of the ball quickly. These are all things he wasn't doing five weeks ago. Um, I mean, I don't think it has any, you know, I don't, I, I, there's no question that this is, you know, mostly because of, I won't say mostly, it, it it's solely because of the move, move on from Hugh Jackson and, and Todd Haley. Um, I don't, I, I can't believe how much different this team looks despite running pretty much the same offense with the same players. Granted, we got Higgins back now and now we're not using, oh, I guess maybe we're not using the same players because, you know, Chubb is getting the ball and, and Duke's seeing a bigger role. Uh, Najoku's out there catching passes. So we are seeing, you know, more from different guys. Um, Callaway, uh, you know, Callaway's role's been scaled down and, he, and he's looked pretty good. He's, he caught the ball. I, I got to say, I've been, I was very critical of, of pretty much everybody on the team for the drops earlier in the year, and, and, and rightfully so. But to see guys like Callaway, Antonio Callaway, and, and uh, David Njoku come in and make big catches and, and, and tough catches and not drop the ball um, was just, it was, it's really good to see that development. I mean, Najoku made a one really uh, an excellent catch over the middle of the field uh, diving catch. Callaway made a really really nice catch on the sidelines. These are things that we're going to need from these guys in order to, to 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 pick up critical first downs and continue drives to be able to put points on the board. Um, I will say that I, I I was hoping to see more from Landry at some point, and it's it's really hasn't happened yet. But I don't I'm not necessarily concerned. Um, I still think that Baker is spreading the ball out over the field a little bit more, and I'm totally cool with that. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I do like to see more guys involved. I think it I think it helps. It can only help the offense. Um, you know, they, not only in a sense that there's more guys to focus on, but you know, I think. Just the the morale of it. If you're a guy out there and you're playing really hard, and and you get the ball, and every once in a while, you, I mean, you you go out there and you play a little bit harder. It's just just human nature. I'm, and you know, these guys are all paid, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that they're they're there just to you know they got to do their job and that's it. They're human beings too. So I mean, you know, they they want to be involved. Everyone wants to be involved in the game plan. It, you know, specifically guys that that are there to be involved in the game plan. I'm not saying Darren Fells is going to go out there and be pissed off because he's only getting one target or two targets a game. But but the other guys, you know, that's what their job is. You know, that they're you know Cal- Antonio Callaway is there to catch the ball. Um, David Njoku is there to catch the ball. I don't know what set the valve is there for. I mean, he's out there blocking. He's not catching the ball. I still don't get that whole situation. I don't. I don't know what's going on with that. I thought they would have found some way to use him, but I don't know. Maybe the guy's got three catches all year. It's just crazy. Um, anyways, uh, great game, great first half. 
not a super exciting second half, but they played well enough to win the game, and that's really that's all, all that matters. Um, I will say that the the I would the non football. I mean, I guess it is a football highlight, but the non football highlight obviously is the much talked about uh, Demarius Randall handing the the, the interception uh, football off to you, Jackson. I mean, I don't know if that could have gone any better. It couldn't have gone if you scripted it. He caught the ball. He happened to be right there by the Bengals sidelines three yards away from you, Jackson. And, uh, you know, after all of the smack talk by Randall on the social medias, it was really cool to see him go out there and uh, and tell you, hey, thanks, bud. You did a, a good job while you were here. Not. I did a not joke. Anyways, um, Baker. No. Baker, Baker kind of piled on. I, I will say that it, it, it's... The post-game non-handshake, non-hug, handshake thing, and then you know uh, the media is blowing that up, and and you know I, I get Baker, I totally understand it. I, I th- it's it's gotten a little bit out of proportion, and there's a few things that you know I've heard in the media in the last I will say 24 hours. I mean, I guess you know a lot of this this stuff isn't new. You know, we're all used to, to Baker. He's he is a somewhat polarizing figure. I mean, we all love him, and with good reason. I mean, the guy. Listen, I think the guy plays with passion. I always. I always liked him, but I see how we could rub people the wrong way. Obviously, you know, you got the uh, the flag planting in the OSU and the uh, you know at OSU. That's <clears throat> that's something that I guess at some point, you know, people people here are going to have to accept that you know something he did. And at the same point, there's plenty of other things that he's done and said. You know, the the, the KU stuff and um, his uh, his inter- interview with Colin Coward, where I honestly think Baker look comes across looking like the professional. And Coward comes across looking like a coward, a jerk. Um, Baker is always – I mean he's well-spoken. He's well-thought-out. I don't think he goes into any situation where he's not prepared to say what he has to say and say the right thing. I mean here – you know, he gets – you know, he doesn't shake you's hand – or he shakes you's hand. He doesn't give him a hug. And after the – you know, after the game, the media is obviously questioning him. You know, why didn't you go in and give you a hug? And, and you know, he basically says, you know, this is a guy that, that you know, that – was here telling us to play our hearts off for him and two weeks later he's coaching against us and a team that is in our division we play twice a year i don't really get it you know i i and i i have no i'm paraphrasing him but i mean that's basically what he said and i i have no problem with that you know like listen we all have our opinions of of you and and and, uh, mine is not very high um i think use character has to be called into question quite a bit um and i will say that at this point, Baker's can't be called into question. Um, this is a guy that plays hard. He, you know, he, he his team loves him. Um, you've heard nothing but good things about him in the media uh, when it comes to you know trying to rally support for you know for for his fellow teammates. He's always involved in stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I might have even brought this up last time we, we did a show. Um, there was a, an article not too long ago where uh, Baker's team won a huge playoff game in, in uh, uh, Texas uh, high school football game. Um, you know, and obviously that's high school football is huge in Texas. And and at the same point, uh, you know, Baker, you know, it was a Friday night and uh you know, Baker, you know, they get home from whatever it is, and it's late. And, and Saturday morning at 7 o'clock is the rally for the band who was going off to, like, state finals or whatever. I mean, you know, if you're a football player, you're like, ah, the band, who gives a, who gives a shit about the band? It's just the band. You don't really care. I mean, this guy is a star. You know, uh, you know he's their quarterback. Uh, just won a huge playoff game, gets home late, 
and at seven o'clock in the morning, who's there to support the band? Baker Mayfield. You know, he didn't have to do it, but he did it because he he wanted to support the people that were loyal and supported him. I, I got nothing but there, I mean, there's nothing but good things to say about this kid. I mean, never forget about the football stuff. The, the football stuff is is on another level. Um, you know, I I will vehemently say that I was wrong. I was a Sam Donald fan. I still am a Sam Donald fan, but I, I mean, after half a season of watching Baker Mayfield, I can't. I can't think. What would we do with if we didn't take this guy? He is that good. Um, he's the guy that I want leading my team, mostly because he's a good football player. But it, it, the caveat being that this guy has the moxie, the attitude, the swagger, anything that you, he has, everything to back it, up, and he backs it up. Um, so Damian Woody, uh, former offensive lineman, he played for a bunch of teams in the NFL, but I, uh, I remember him mostly with the Jets. Um, got on and basically criticized on first take uh, ESPN's show. Uh, basically got on and criticized uh, Baker Mayfield for saying that uh, you know you left and took the job and and, and you know in division and he and, you know that it's not a business and of course this gets spun around to the whole Baker Mayfield left Texas Tech for Oklahoma. Um, you know, and Baker got tired of it, and and you know what he, I think he's right. I mean, not that I, I know he's right. Um, Baker's posts on, on social media, much you know, much not much after that was I left Oklahoma, I left Texas Tech basically because they didn't offer me a scholarship. So you know, on one hand you have Damian Woody saying that, well, you know, you's got to go get paid, and and I, it's a business, and, and he's make he's got to make money to pay his mortgages and support his family, and well, here's a kid that played his ass off at Texas Tech, eight games, started the season as a walk on, had a great year, gets a concussion, does not get offered a scholarship. That never happens. If you are a walk on, you play that well, you're the starting quarterback, and they don't offer you a scholarship. You have every right to get up and walk away. I have no problem with that. This is a guy that started for you, carried you to to a, to a good record, played well for you. I mean, I think he was the freshman of the year. Uh, this is I don't understand how they didn't offer him a scholarship. And then when he didn't get one, he figured, well, I'm going to go walk on at Oklahoma. And guess what? They gave him one because he earned it. He earned it at Texas Tech, and they didn't give it to him. Well. So if we want to talk finances, we're talking about a kid who doesn't make millions of dollars, who at the point was paying to go to school and paying to win football games for this team, basically, and they didn't offer him a nickel, and that's why he transferred, right? Well, lo and behold, I'm ecstatic that he did because look what happened. The guy goes on to great success at Oklahoma, wins the Heisman Trophy, gets drafted number one overall by us, Cleveland Browns, and he's, and he's been excellent for us, and uh, I have nothing but positive things to say about him. All right, and, and I guess the thing that gets spun even more is, you know, of course this becomes an issue once Baker says what he says, and, and I have no problem with them doing it. You know what? People are like, well, you should just let the media say what they say. You know what? Baker's tired of it. I'm tired of it too. The kid, the kid had every right to say what he said about you, Jackson. He had every right to, to defend himself against Damian Woody. He didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. And one of the funny things is that this has been piled on. 
by the same network, of course. You know, so we get a we get somebody on that wants to defend Baker, and of course it's whoa, Hugh Jackson's got a uh, you know he's got to go out and make a living. It's it's a business. Well, how about this? How about somebody look some facts up? How about how about we look to see who's paying Hugh Jackson right now? The Bengals aren't paying Hugh Jackson; they're paying him offset. So they pay him the absolute minimum they have to pay, which I believe is two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the Browns pay the balance of his salary. Right. So here's a guy that didn't have to work and get paid the th- same amount of money for the rest of the year. He's getting his, he's getting his his three million regardless if he coaches a game or not. But he decided to go to an interdivision rival of a team that he knew he was going to have to play twice that he coached against. Or how did I probably worded that terribly? He's has to play a team that he coached twice. So this was basically a stick it to the Browns move because there was no reason for him to go to Cincinnati. There was absolutely no reason. Oh well, Marvin Lewis called him up and begged him. Who cares? Stay home, make your money. Be what it is. But this is Hugh Jackson trying to do what he always does, and that's steal the spotlight. He's got to be in the spotlight. It's exactly why he did his media tour. It's exactly why he took this job, because he knew it would put him back in the spotlight against Cleveland. And it's exactly why the guys in the Browns did what they did. Randall handed him the ball. Baker talked shit about it after the game. And that's why every one of them is playing harder now for a guy like Greg Williams, who, let's be honest, for the most part, I would think is probably the worst guy to play for in the NFL. I don't really like – I don't like Greg Williams. I thought he came across terrible in, in on hard knocks and don't like his reputation. But at the same point, they're all playing hard for him. And they didn't play – not that they didn't play hard for you, but they hated playing for you. They hated everything about it. It's it's written off over every one of their faces, you know, starting with, with, with Baker, Demarius Randall, uh, Batonio. I mean, these are guys that you would never expect they, – and they none of them like playing for you, Jackson. And now – they're winning, number one, which is a good, obviously a positive motivational thing. And number two, they're kind of united in this front where, you know, this guy put us in a situation to lose. He lost games for us, which he did. I I believe that we would have won two games if, if, you know, I mean, maybe we still have Jackson as a coach, which means we lose the Falcons game and the Bengals game. But uh, I believe that he cost us flat out the Bucks game and the Raiders game. Two games lost specifically by poor coaching, if not more. If not more. I mean, so we're, we're I think this is a team that should be right now above 500. Um, had we had, had, had Jimmy, this is the guy he gives three years to. This is the guy he decides to give a third year to. I just, I can't. I, I don't understand how we got to this point. But at the, you know, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy where we are, though. You know, I, I'm glad that we've decided that, obviously, this guy was not right for us. We're moving on. You know, we, we currently have the interim tag on Greg Williams, and I think that's either going to stay and he'll he'll take uh, a defensive coordinator's job with us when we hire the next head coach, or he'll move on. Uh, and I'm fine with either at this point. I, I, I don't want Greg Williams to be the head coach next year unless miraculously we run the table and get in the playoffs and, and make some noise there but I don't I don't see that happening um, we'll talk about that uh, next but um, overall I, I, like I said I, I'm glad you has gone I'm glad the players are pissed off about what he did um, because I'm pissed off about what he did uh, sit at home take your three million don't get involved Pick that, sign that job next year, and no one will have a problem with it. But to do what you did, that was just—it's just reeks of of like I want revenge against a team that did me wrong. All right, well, you know what? You did this fan base wrong. 
by winning three games in, in three years. That's what you did. You made this team worse than it had to be. And we're in a better spot now that we don't have him as our head coach. <sighs> I'll rant over. All right, uh, we'll get back. We'll get back and we'll talk uh, potential playoffs where we're at on the last segment of the long table. Gin and tonic on Dogs by Nature. Be right back. So playoffs. I guess if I'm, you know, the Browns right now and I'm looking at the schedule, see where we are. Uh, four, six, and one more behind a bunch of teams. We need a lot of things to go our way. We, I mean, realistically, winning out is the only option. And if we do win out at that point, it puts us in a really good chance to get in. We've got five games left on the schedule, and, and I would say none of them are easy. Um, starting with the first game is probably the most difficult. We're playing at Houston this weekend. Uh, a Houston team that, uh, a Texans team that, that, that played, you know, played up this weekend on Monday night, actually not this weekend, on Monday, um, their pass rush is just absolutely formidable. They have, you know, uh, JJ Watt, who is, I won't say he's back to, you know, old school JJ Watt, but he's, you know, he's still causing a ton of pressure. I mean, the guy bull rush dominated straight up this, you know, from what I watched the first half this week on Monday night, um, a very good <laughs> right tackle in uh, Jack Conklin, um, and he he basically handled him. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what to say other than it's a tough matchup for us. Um, I, I worry about <laughs> Hubbard being able to hold his own, um, and I don't know what what really to say uh, when it comes to that. I, I, they obviously have a, a, an improved offense uh, over the last year and a half with Deshaun Watson basically leading the. Uh, the charge. Um, he was, you know, he was excellent at times last year um, until he got hurt. Um, mostly big plays. This year it's more about um, a balanced, you know, I think he's throwing the ball better this year than he did last year. Um, but he isn't making the big plays. He also isn't making the big mistakes. He's on pace for, you know, just over 4,000 yards, uh, probably somewhere in the, you know, 28 to 30 touchdowns, maybe 12 or 13 interception range. Um, having a really good year. Um, they're a good team. Uh, Lamar Miller busted out a 97-yard run yesterday like he was shot out of a cannon uh, after their defense made an excellent stand on the goal line. Uh, they're a good team. Uh, it's going to be a tough win, but it, it, you know it's not a, a game that's totally unwinnable. Um, they would be the best team that we beat probably all year uh, if we were to win that game. Uh, I think they're better than Baltimore. Um, obviously, they're better than... Uh, Cincinnati and and the Falcons, um, and clearly they're better than the Jets. Uh, this would be our best win of the year on the road against a quality team that's won five in a row. Um, that basically is probably, I would say, could be maybe playing themselves into a bye if they play this well the rest of the year. Um, who knows? Um, this week's a big one. Uh, it's probably our toughest game, followed by what I would think would be our next toughest game. Um, the Panthers absolutely have to win that game, if they, if they, depending on what they do this weekend. But they, they're, they're another team that, that just cannot lose another game this year if they want to get into the playoffs. Um, I mean, that basically could be said about just about everybody on our schedule uh, the rest of the way. I mean, if you look at our schedule and you look at where those teams stand in the playoff picture, obviously you have Houston. Uh, the Panthers, the Broncos on a Saturday night, which happens to be uh, my anniversary. Uh, I will have to um, talk to Mrs. G and T and see if we can 
hold a hiatus of uh, going out, or maybe we'll go out and watch the game. Um, I could probably swing that. She's a big football fan. Um, and then we got the Bengals again, uh, and we close the season on uh, you know uh, two days before the new year against the Ravens. Um, I will say that. All those games are not, you know, all those games are winnable. They're all tough, but they're all winnable. Uh, the Houston game, I would think, would probably be the most difficult, followed by the Panthers game, and then followed by the Ravens game. Uh, but it all depends on what happens the next couple of weeks. I mean, you know, if we're winning games and, and 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 some of these teams are out of the playoff picture at this point, if if Baltimore loses two games in the next three weeks, if the Panthers lose next week, if the Broncos lose the next two weeks, I mean, I think the Bengals are going to fall off on their own because uh, Dalton's, you know, pretty much done now. Um, a lot changes, you know. A lot, a lot's going to change over the next couple of weeks. But uh, this is a good feeling to be in this. We're talking playoffs, and it's week twelve, you know, of the NFL season. I mean, usually we're talking draft by week four. It's week twelve, and we're talking. I haven't really even done a lot of scouting. I mean, I've looked at a few guys here and there, but we're we're talking potential playoff run here. Now, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm going to be. I'll be realistic. I don't think we're going to get there. I think. I think we maybe we we go. You know, two and. You know, three and two, two and three, somewhere in that range the rest of the year. I think we finish just, you know, right around 500 or a game under. I don't think it's, um, and I, I believe me, when the season started and how we started and, and how we played at times this year under Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, um, you know, I, I don't think there was a chance that we could get to within a game of 500. I didn't think we'd be talking playoffs right now. I thought we'd be talking about, you know, what offensive tackles we're looking at, what defensive linemen we're looking at, what corners, what wide receivers, what linebackers we're going to be looking at. We wouldn't be talking about what quarterbacks and what running backs we need because we are set there. Let me tell you, I'm ecstatic, ecstatic about Baker. I'm ecstatic about Nick Chubb. I love our D-line. I would love to add a defensive tackle um, or another really, really good pass, rush, pass rushing edge, which I don't know if we're going to be able to add, but these are these are – you know, these are things that I'm not really even concerned about right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy watching Browns football. But how do you feel when you wake up on, on Monday morning after a victory or after back-to-back victories? You know, I, I feel really good. I mean, I, I, I'm happy about this. I'm, I'm happy to root for this team now. I mean, I, for the longest time, you know, I, I, you know, growing up not in Cleveland, that people are like, oh, how do, you, how do you become a Browns fan? They're terrible. They left their city. They, they you know, they haven't been good for 20 years. I mean, I grew up and I – you know, my dad was a, or is a huge, or at the time he was a huge Browns fan, uh, basically because when he played, Jim Brown was a man, and and he loved Jim Brown, he loved Paul Brown, he loved that team. They were tough, um, and he stayed with them, you know, throughout the years. And uh, you know, like as a you know a kid who grew up, my dad, my dad could do no wrong in my eyes at that point, and I became a Browns fan. My brother, my brother intelligently jumped onto the giant bandwagon, and he's a he's a big Giants fan. He's got you know he's got his. Uh, his multiple Super Bowls, um, you know, and, you know, kudos to them. But uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I, one thing about me is I've always been – I'm always kind of a guy that's – that, you know, like I root for bad teams. I mean, I, I root for some real winners here. I mean, obviously, you guys, most of you guys know I root for the Mets. I root for the Knicks. I'm a, a diehard New York Ranger fan. Um, and then, of course, my Browns, who I would say are probably – you know, them and the Mets are probably my one and two, and, and uh, you know, obviously, then the, the Rangers would be three, and the Knicks would be a distant fourth. Uh, I've really struggled to, to to follow them lately, but um, the Browns, 
the Browns and the Mets have been my you know my two focal points and and you know barring a few you know glimmers here or there World Series appearance a couple years for the Mets I have gotten almost nothing out of my sports franchises um, it's 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 pretty disappointing uh, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup when I was uh, 15 years old in uh, 94 the Mets won the World Series when I was seven in '86. Um, they've been back to the World Series twice since then, uh, losing one to the Yankees, which was terrible, and losing one to the Royals, which was uh, also terrible. Um, I, I really haven't had a lot to root for in, in the sense of the Browns, and with the sense of any sport. But now, right now, uh, as a Brown fan, I feel like this is the time where we are just about to hit that that pater, you know, for for our for our you know, our loyalty for all these years. Um, when I, you know, last year I went out for the tailgate, uh, and I got to hang out with a bunch of a bunch of guys who, who you know, were are diehards. You know, that those are the guys that that root for this team and that, that that's their city. And they, and, and I'll be honest, I, you know, you know, sometimes I don't see eye to eye with everybody. I'm, a, I'm, I like to stir the pot a little bit, but I, I, I had a great time with those guys, all of them. Um, and you know, the city itself was awesome, and the people were great. Um, and I think that that town deserves a winner more than. And, and I know you guys got the Cavs and the, and the Indians and whatever, but I don't really, I don't really care about those guys. I, I think that the the city is a Browns town based off what I saw while I was there. Um, that place would explode if the Browns ever got good. And I, I mean, the, the, when when they get good, which is damn close, because next year I think this is a team that's going to be prime for a division run. Um, I'm 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 super happy to be a Browns fan right now. I couldn't I couldn't I, uh, I couldn't wish for more for this team. I think it's just it's ready to go. And and, I, and if we don't make the playoffs this year, I'm not going to be upset. If we don't if we win one or two games the rest of the year, if we lose every game the rest of the year but are competitive, I I've seen enough to know that this team is in good hands when it comes to our, our general manager. I haven't even mentioned his name yet. This whole podcast. Uh, Dorsey, John Dorsey has been he did a great job um, and, I, and I'll even go a step beyond that I've been his biggest critic probably one of his big, biggest critics but Sashi Brown put us in a position to actually make some really good moves and um, I would say that if it wasn't for some of the sacrifices that he made over the last two years we would not be where we are right now and uh, so kudos to him as well um I'm glad he's not the guy picking the players now, but at the same point, I'm glad he was here to help with the teardown and the rebuild. Well, the teardown, I will say. Um, he did some good things while he was here, and uh, I'm glad that the keys are now in the, uh, in the hand of John Dorsey. Um, kudos to him for, for making a uh, what I guess will go down probably in the long run as a great pick in Baker Mayfield, but at the time was a questionable pick because of the other guys that were available. Um, I'm really happy we got a guy like that leading our franchise, and 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 I hope that he's the guy that actually gets to pick the next head coach, um, whether it be somebody from inside the organization, which I doubt, or somebody new from the outside. Which you know, let's be honest, this is a a very very desirable job right now. Um, we're gonna, you know, I've I've actually seen guys on record um, that I respect get out there and say that this is the most desirable job in the NFL right now. And I don't see why it wouldn't be. Um, we, we clearly have Bruce Arians interested that he would love to come back and coach. Uh, his wife is on board. There's a guy that, you know, 
I could see us hiring, but I think we might go with a younger route. Um, anyways, uh, totally off tangent here. I don't think we're going to the players this year, guys. But I do think we'll be there soon, or maybe next year. Um, I think we're in contention for a division title next year. Um, if all things break right. Uh, the division is primed for a long time now. I mean, uh, you know, the Steelers aren't getting any younger. They're going to lose Roethlisberger sooner than later. Um, who knows what's going on in in Baltimore? Uh, there may be a new head coach on the horizon there. Um, and Cincinnati, well, if Cincinnati is smart enough to hire you, Jackson, and then promote him when they decide to do something with Marvin Lewis, either replace him or, or move him up the chain and then... Well, I can only give the Bengals fans my biggest sympathies because you guys are doomed. Now, I know you haven't won anything in a long time or anything meaningful in a long time, and I know that it's probably really bad for us to say something, or a fan of the Browns to say something like that to anybody, but we didn't even... This is a new iteration of the Browns, and you guys haven't won a playoff game since before this, team, this, this iteration even existed. And uh, I guess... What I'm saying is I like the way that we look and I like the way things are set up for the future. Even if it's, you know, I don't feel like this is a win-now team. Not yet. It's getting there. But over the next couple of years with the salary cap situation we have, with the players that we have on the roster, um, I really like our chances to become one of those perennial teams that wins multiple games. And I am sorry, but my dog is barking. I guess I'm going to call it a night here. And I hope you guys enjoyed. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.